Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Danielle Perry. She is the Chief Compliance Officer at TrueConnect and was recently appointed to the National Lifeline Association Board of Directors. We talk more about both of those organizations and how TrueConnect is delivering connectivity to low-income customers through programs like Lifeline and the Affordable Connectivity Program, or ACP, why mobile operators are important to bridging the digital divide, and more. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, um, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. So just to start things off, I would love for you to give me a little bit of background on TrueConnect for those who are listening who might not be familiar uh, and your role there. Okay, great. So TrueConnect is one of the largest providers in the United States of Lifeline service and now ACP service. For those of you that don't know, that's a subsidized government um, service. Lifeline has been around since Ronald Reagan in the 80s. And then ACP is a new uh, program for broadband access for consumers. And what, what's your role at TrueConnect and how long have you been there? So I've been with TrueConnect for five years. I um, came on as the chief information officer. So I built the systems and the platforms that we use to enroll subscribers into the program. And about a year and a half ago, I transitioned to the chief compliance officer. So my role now is to keep us in compliance with all of the federal and state regulations. There are a lot of those, so I'm sure you're kept very busy. (laughs) Um, So you were also recently, as if that's not enough for you to do, you were also recently appointed um, to the National Lifeline uh, Board, Association Board, right? Correct. Um, can you tell me a bit about that? What is the National uh, Lifeline Association? Tell me a bit about your appointment to the board and what are some of your objectives going to be uh, in that role? Okay, great. So the National Lifeline Association represents the entire ecosystem of the Lifeline and now ACP industry. So they have members um, in their organization consisting of service providers like TrueConnect. We have distribution companies. We have um, back office providers. So we have, again, the whole ecosystem for this industry. And we do advocate work. So we, we try to keep everybody on the same page with the changes going on in the regulatory environment. That's a big piece of it. And just making people in the industry aware of what's going on, how we can all work together. Um, I've been a part of the NALA organization for probably 10 plus years, but uh, so I'm happy to finally be on the board. <clears throat> and on the board, my uh, my role is going to, I think, primarily be focused on California because True Connect has such a large presence in California. That's kind of the area I'll be focusing on um, for this board position. So why does True Connect have uh, a particularly large presence in California? Well, because we are the only lifeline service provider that is located in California. Everybody else is, you know, outside of the state. And we were the first lifeline provider to offer wireless lifeline service in the state of California. Uh, So I think that it's just the service that we offer. Consumers love us. We have a great product. We give a very nice device to consumers at no charge to them. Um, the, The price of the device comes out of our pocket. We don't get subsidy for that. So I think that that's kind of what sets us apart from others. Um, other providers do, you know, give a device in the state of California, but TrueConnect certainly is uh, a nicer device. 
Okay. So as far, so as far as the service itself goes, that is mm-hmm. subsidized by Lifeline and by the Affordable Connectivity Program, ACP, and the devices uh, True Connect pays for. That, that's what you're saying? Correct. So for Lifeline, the device is completely subsidized by True Connect. There is no government okay. subsidy for that device. For the ACP program, the uh, government does subsidize a one-time a reimbursement for a tablet or a laptop up to $100. So consumer, once in their lifetime, they can get a subsidy applied for up to $100 for you know, a tablet, a laptop, or um, some other types of devices. Gotcha. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the ACP and how that's kind of changed what you're doing at True Connect or evolved what you're doing at True Connect. Um, I'd love to hear because your role is very clearly directly involved with these programs. So, do you, has that program helped um, expand who can access True Connect devices? Are you in favor of the ACP? You know, how is it working well from your perspective? I know we focus a lot on uh, at home. Uh, connectivity, but I believe a significant amount of the people who are enrolled in ACP are actually using it for for mobile services. So um, I'd love to hear from from you on on how that program's working with True Connect and any thoughts on the program at all. Sure. So we were very happy um, when EBB EBB was the first program that was introduced, and it was temporary. ACP became the permanent replacement that went into effect in January of this year, and Lifeline has always been a great. Lifeline. It provided, you know, some voice uh, and text service to consumers. And over the years, they slowly started adding the requirement to provide some data. But the amount of data that's provided is just not enough for somebody to really do the things that they need to do. And COVID really showed us that. So once everybody was home and, you know, you couldn't really go anywhere to get on Wi-Fi um, networks, you have a lot of um, lower income people who just don't have any way to connect. So EBB and now ACP, I think, meets that need. Um, You're able to provide more data to the consumer. And what we found is that when you only provide a small amount of data to a consumer, they'll, um, they'll ration it. They won't use it for what they need. So, for example, the federal requirement is that we provide four and a half gigabits, uh, gigabytes of data a month. And then California pays us a little, um, pays us an additional subsidy, but we have to require or we have to provide six gigs of data a month. But if you think about what the amount of data that you personally use in a month, I don't know if you look at it, but I promise it's way more than six gigs of data. Um, And, you know, to complicate it even further, both of these programs are a one per household. So if you're a single mother and you have three or four children in your house, you're only allowed to have one Lifeline subsidy and one ACP subsidy. So that data is being shared for your whole household. And some recent studies have shown that households use 30 plus gigs of data a month. So they really need the ACP benefit. Um, we, we've seen our company has expanded um, very quickly because people needed it. It was, you know, when it was rolled out, we had um, a lot of enrollments. We continue to have significant enrollments every month reaching the people that need this data. Got it. Okay. So um, just to go back to your work in California for a moment, I know you were recently involved in in a bit of a, uh, I guess, fight with the the California Public Utilities Commission over a vote they were going to take that was going to restrict how people in California could use their subsidies. Could you tell us, uh, do a bit of a better job than I just did of explaining what that was all about and where we are with that right now and why it matters? 
Sure. So I wouldn't say it's a fight with the CDC. <laughs> it's always maybe a heated discussion. We um, there we, we go. Um, we can, um, we're typically not on the same page. We but we you know we work together with regulators everywhere. The CPUC just because of the structure of California government makes it a little more complicated. But basically, what happened is that when EBB was announced and rolled out, <clears throat> consumers were able to if they were a lifeline consumer, they were able to get the full subsidy, the full program benefit for Lifeline. So in the state of California, that means that the consumer could participate in the federal Lifeline program, as well as the California Lifeline program, and they would get unlimited voice and text, and then six gigs of data a month. And as I mentioned, six gigs of data is not enough for somebody to really, you know, do the things they need to do. So when EBB came around, they were able to get the additional EBB data applied to their service. They could, we call it bundling the uh, subsidies. They could combine all the subsidies together to maximize them to get, you know, what they needed. So that was in place for EBB. And when EBB transitioned to ACP, the CPUC decided that California Lifeline subscribers, wireless, first it was wireless only subscribers, were not going to be able to combine benefits. So they would have to either participate in California Lifeline and not ACP, or they could participate in ACP, but not California. So, and we're not, we don't really understand why they're doing that. I mean, they've said, which I think that this is flawed, but they've said that they don't see proof that consumers use that much data. So what they'll do is they'll ask us to provide usage. Like the most recent data request we had from them, they asked us to provide data on a thousand random lines from our customer base, of which we have several hundred thousand. So they chose a thousand, we provide the usage. And what you see is that consumers are using around two to three gigs of data a month. But that's because they only get six. So they know, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't use all this. I can't, you know, have my son on, you know, Zoom doing school because that's going to take all of my data allocation for the entire month in one session. So, and we've tried to explain that, but it's just a difference of opinion. We can't get them to see our, our view on that. So they were, there was a proposed decision that was scheduled to be voted on on August 25th that was going to make it a rule, officially a rule that, uh, provide uh, subscribers could not combine all of those benefits. And we were able to work with um, some PR agencies and really get the word out to some, you know, a lot of people that this was not going to be good for Californians, especially given the fact that the governor himself is out there talking about how we need to bridge the digital divide. And it feels like the CPUC is not maybe on the same page with the governor. Mm. So we really wanted to get some awareness out there. And we were successful in stopping uh, the vote on that proposed decision. So we're very nice happy work. That. Thank you. <laughs> um, so now it's, you know, the next step there, my understanding is the CPUC is drafting another version, which I haven't seen or been involved in. Uh, so we're waiting now to see what that looks like. And hopefully it'll be a win for consumers. Because basically what we've said is let yeah. consumers choose. The CPUC believes that ACP benefits, you know, should be for home internet, which if that's what the consumer wants, that's what they should have. But unfortunately, in California, the homeless population or the transient population is so large that mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So the consumer knows what they need best, better than the government. So I think we should let them choose. And that's what we're advocating for. 
That's a great point. And I guess, you know, sticking with that is because we do talk so much about closing the digital divide in terms of bringing internet to the home, which is obviously important, uh, very important. But can you make a case uh, for the role that mobile operators like TrueConnect um, and BNOs play in closing the digital divide? Um, I think you just made a very important point uh, regarding homeless populations, which uh, congratulations, 69 episodes of this podcast, and you're the first person to mention them, I think. So well done. Um, <laughs> in addition, uh, so that that's a really salient point. So can you expand on maybe that and, and uh, why else we should be considering TrueConnect as, uh, and other operators like it as essential to closing the digital divide? Sure. I think that um, as a society, especially now that COVID is over or, you know, getting better anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, fingers crossed. Listeners, I'm crossing my fingers here. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, we're we're all mobile. We're out and we're about. Nobody's really home all that often. And when you're out and about, you're using your cell phone for internet. I know personally, I'm you know checking email at the grocery store parking lot, or you know looking at Facebook or whatever. I mean, I'm always using internet, and I'm not always at home. So providing consumers with a, the um, ability to connect to the internet when they're not at home is super important, I believe. And I don't think that everyone can afford both, whether you know in-home um, internet as well as wireless. So again, it just comes down to choice. I, the consumer needs to be able to choose how they want to connect to the internet, and we should be able to enable them to do that. And I think that is the role that um, MBNOs are playing right now in this market. Awesome. I guess the last thing I'd ask you then, and, and you, you may have covered this in some of your answers already, but um, Lifeline, the program, obviously you <laughs> know a lot about it and you're working uh, with the National Lifeline Association. Um, any thoughts on how that program should be reformed or, you know, improved? You know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm so happy that it's a question that's being asked, not only you know on your podcast, but the FCC is looking at it as well. I've been in the industry for um, 13 years now, and it stayed the same until EBB. Like it was, it was pretty much the same. I mean, there would be every year there would be an increased amount of service that providers were required to give to consumers. The subsidy pretty much stayed. Flat, um, all of these years, and there it was just getting kind of stale. So EBB changed that, and I think it was a great learning experience for everyone to see that the consumers have changed and evolved, and the program needs to as well. And I'm just I'm just so happy for the conversation because I'm there are a lot of smarter people than me in the room when we're talking about this, and all of these ideas are being floated out there and. Just the fact that it's open for discussion is very encouraging to me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking so much time to talk to me. We'll be keeping an eye on your work and uh, this California vote, certainly. <laughs> we hope to talk to you again. Well, thank you, Nicole. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you again, Danielle, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.